It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, March 23, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will discuss options for improving the Rocky Gutierrez Airport. The state operates the airport and the city owns the terminal building. It's been working on a plan to improve the airport since 2016. Public Works Director Mike Harmon outlined some of the problems in a memo to the Assembly. The terminal is congested. The passenger departure lounge is too small and often too hot. There are problems with the TSA screening area, and the addition of Delta Airlines in 2015 made the airport even more congested. In 2017, the Assembly approved a plan to collect fees from airline passengers through a federal program to fund the project. Harmon wrote that the city also anticipates receiving a TSA construction grant and $7 million in grant funding from the state. Even with the patchwork of available funding, the project has a funding shortfall of around $3.5 million. Harmon is recommending that the Assembly move forward with construction in phases as funding is secured. The Sitka Assembly meets at 5 p.m. for a work session with Visit Sitka and convenes for its regular meeting at 6 p.m. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live at 6, following Alaska News Nightly. Last week, the Sitka Assembly met for the second time this year to discuss enterprise fund budgets for next fiscal year. The utility rates are set to increase across the board, provided the Assembly approves the fund budgets as they currently stand. Electric rates are set to rise by 2.5 percent. Water rates will rise by 2 percent, wastewater rates will increase by 2 percent, solid waste by 4.5, and harbor rates by 5 percent. City staff project that the average household will pay around $186 in additional utility fees per year if the rate increases are enacted. Typically, the Assembly passes the general and enterprise fund budgets in the late spring, but Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis suggested the Assembly take another route. Right now, we're currently in the process of or about to start multiple rate studies and master plans for a bunch of our enterprise funds. And I just wonder if we don't wait to set our rates until we see what those plans come back with. Several of the rate increases are set to keep up with inflation. The highest rate of increase is part of a long-term plan to begin replacing aging Elias and Harbor in a decade. But some of the current master plans are out of date, and the city staff are concerned that they don't paint an accurate picture of what big projects, like the harbor replacement, could really cost in the future. Eisenbeis said waiting for updated rate studies could help them decide if they were setting rates too high. Alternatively, if the studies showed larger rate increases were needed, the additional information in the studies could help justify those increases to the public. Member Valerie Nelson voiced her support for the idea. I, I like your idea, uh, Mr. Mayor, and um, I think the public would appreciate it too. And I'm not just going to assume that those rate studies say, you know, the citizens of Sitka are not paying enough. Members Tor Christensen and Kevin Knox thought they could consider the information for future budgets, but not necessarily for this year's budget. Here's Knox. You know, it'd be wonderful if we if we could, you know, give a reprieve to our ratepayers, but we also need to continue to at least keep up with inflation. Inflation is just a, a, a matter of fact. The 10 years previous to this, we didn't see a rate increases. Water was flat for 10 years. And that's why we're seeing the spikes that we're seeing. Member Rebecca Himshoot liked the idea of re-examining the rates and asked if the Assembly could revisit rates and make changes as the studies were released. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he believed they could make rate adjustments at any time throughout the year. 
the Assembly didn't make a decision on how to broach the rate increases for next fiscal year. It will hold its next budget meeting on Thursday, April 1st. You can find a link to the full meeting on our website, kcaw.org. Local health officials reported three new COVID cases in Sitka last week. Two of the patients are non-residents. One is in his 20s and the other is under 19 years old. The third is a Sitka resident in her 60s. Two of the patients were experiencing symptoms when they received testing last week and one was not. All three cases are tied to community spread, according to the city's COVID dashboard. Sitka has reported 334 coronavirus cases since the pandemic began. Three of those cases are currently active, according to city data. Both Search and White's Pharmacy are now offering the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine to Sitkins. When the Sitka Unified Command met last week, they talked about the ongoing success of local vaccination efforts. KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports. At the Unified Command meeting on March 17th, pharmacist Trish White said they've had interest in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine from locals who were hesitant to get the Pfizer and Moderna, which both use mRNA technology. They've also had interest from out-of-town fishermen. We've noticed um, a real interest in the one-dose Johnson & Johnson, particularly among um, the fishermen that are here for the herring. So we've seen a lot of folks from the Palmer, Cordova. It's been really exciting and, and something that we've been very pleased to be able to help with. Nearly two-thirds of eligible Sitkins have received at least one dose of either the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson vaccine since December, and more than half are fully vaccinated, according to city data. Public health nurse and local vaccine coordinator Denise Ewing reported that Search had also administered over 11,000 first doses throughout the region. That's quite heroic. I think that that's worth definitely um, reporting. The public health department has also been vaccinating workers at seafood processing plants in Sitka. Ewing said nearly 100 percent of Silver Bay seafood workers have received a vaccine, for example. That could help curb concerns that emerged last spring and summer about the spread of COVID-19 during the busy fishing season. Ewing said that around five fully vaccinated Sitkins have tested positive for COVID-19, but the breakthrough cases are to be expected since no vaccine is 100% effective. I don't consider that a high number for the number of people that have been vaccinated. It's just something to watch. Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule said they're watching data on new variants of the virus closely. But so far, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have proven effective against variants from Brazil, South Africa, and Europe. It's not a position statement. It's not an idea. It's a data-based conclusion based on good data that's published in peer-reviewed uh, uh, medical journals. He said Search continues to reach out to community members that haven't been vaccinated, and they're even offering the vaccine to out-of-town visitors, as long as they have the supply. Brule said higher vaccination rates could help Southeast communities economically as the summer tourism season approaches. The other thing that I've been uh, emphasizing in my communications with communities around Southeast is that this also represents an economic opportunity for um, for our communities to be able to hold themselves out as a safe place to visit in the coming months. Brill said he's noticed a hint of optimism in the community since the CDC released new guidance that fully vaccinated individuals can gather inside without masks in small groups. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Find more information about where to sign up for a coronavirus vaccine through Search or White's Pharmacy on the COVID Information Hub at kcaw.org. 
White's Pharmacy is also offering in-home vaccinations for people who can't come to a clinic in person. A reform bill to give more autonomy to Alaska's ferry system is advancing through the legislature. It would remake the Marine Transportation Advisory Board as an operations and planning board with more clout to steer the Alaska Marine Highway system. The bill is sponsored by House Speaker Louise Stutz and would also give legislative leaders the power to appoint four of the board's nine members. One of the main differences from my perspective is the other bill allows the governor to choose all the board members and I think having a little variety uh, makes it a much more even board. It cleared the House Transportation Committee last week. The governor's ferry working group recommended that the marine highway be given more autonomy for long-range planning. But the bill has its skeptics. Matsu Republican Representative Kevin McCabe wanted to amend the bill to exclude appointees with current or past union affiliations, but it failed. The freshman lawmaker from Big Lake also complained that the Marine Highway's fleet was overbuilt, running vehicle ferries to communities without cars. Um, what roads are there in Teneke? Uh, we're, we're carrying a cars to a, or we're using a 300-foot car-carrying ferry to go to a village that has no roads. He suggested the state contract out day services with smaller craft that cater to walk-off passengers. Teneke Springs Mayor Dan Kennedy says the Marine Highway's full-size vessels are well-suited for runs out to the Southeast Island Village. Uh, those little high-speed catamarans have no business being out there running around. I'm, I'm a merchant mariner myself, and I've ridden in on some of those in the winter when the Lacani was broken down, and it's just ridiculous. You hit a log with those aluminum cans doing 20 knots in the dark, and, you know, it's <laughs> Nothing I want to see the outcome of. Lawmakers continue to grapple with challenges to the state's ferry system. The state recently sold its two fast ferries to a Spanish company and plans to divest of the 58-year-old mainliner, Malaspina. Alaska state troopers have sent human remains found in the burned-out home of Port Protection resident Gary Mulberger to the state medical examiner's office for identification. A trooper dispatch Monday said the state's deputy fire marshal ruled the blaze that destroyed Mulberger's home was an accident. Mulberger has not been seen since before the fire. He was featured as a cast member of the National Geographic reality TV show Life Below Zero, Port Protection, which chronicles daily life for residents of the remote community on the north end of Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. Residents of Port Protection reported 75-year-old Mulberger's death Thursday. Port Protection show producers and the official show page offered condolences Thursday afternoon as well. A spokesperson for the state troopers added Monday that next of kin are being kept apprised of the situation. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.